Welcome to Women on the Line, one of Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs programs, produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm your host, Hope Matumbu. Birthday on Country is, is not just a physical, it's not a physical um, idea. What it is, is it's the idea that women can have a connection to their country, the connection to their language, their family, their culture, in any place where they are. Women on the Line acknowledges this program is produced and presented on the sovereign lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge elders past, present and becoming, as well as the owners of the land you are hearing us from. The legacy of colonization and the stolen generations has had an intergenerational traumatizing effect and hurt the relationship between Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander families and health institutions. When Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people do have a relationship with mainstream health institutions, there tends to be a focus more on pathology and disease rather than wellness and health. In the area of midwifery, Aboriginal women have been displaced from being the experts of their birthing experiences through tradition, culture and experience to being passive recipients of medicalised and institutionalised pregnancy care. On today's show, we chat with Cherise Buzzacott, an Arante woman from Alice Springs, a midwife and project officer for the Birthing on Country project a project which aims to establish Aboriginal birthing on country models of maternity care. Hi, my name's Cherise Buzzacott. I'm a midwife and I'm also the project officer for the Birthing on Country project with the Australian College of Midwives. I'm an Arunda woman, I'm from Alice Springs and I'm currently living in Canberra. So the Birthing on Country project is an initiative by the Australian College of Midwives. We've received funding um, to implement birthing on country maternity models of care in an urban, regional and remote site. Um, currently, we're working in partnership with the Birthing in Our Community Program, which runs through Brisbane. Um, it's run in a collaboration between the Mada Mothers, IUE and Six Brisbane. Um, we also have a second site, a regional site, which is Nara, and our connection there is the Waminga South Coast Aboriginal Women's Health and Welfare Service. Um, currently, what we're trying to do in both those communities is implement an Aboriginal birth centre, which is going to be have a cultural framework. It'll be an... Um, uh, women access women can access it if they're Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander as well as having an Indigenous baby. Um, and it will be open to women who want to birth at the centre. Um, but part of this is what we're trying to do is we're trying to remove that um, women from the hospital because sometimes the hospital is being seen as a as a negative place due to um, history of uh, things like child remo- removal. Um, and so what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring it sort of back more into a community-based model, and the model is going to be a purpose-built facility that will encompass the holistic aspect of the woman. Um, So it'll be looking at, um, you know, we'll be looking at bringing um, women to the the hub and we'll be looking at bringing the services to her rather than the referrals because we know we can often lose women in that way. Um, So that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to do this, we're trying to build this Aboriginal birth centre. Um, Part of that is having a midwifery group practice that is in place so that women can have their known midwife follow them because we know that continuity of care actually provides really great outcomes for women when they're having their babies. Birthing on country is is not just a physical, it's not a physical um, idea. What it is, is it's the idea that women can have a connection to their country, the connection to their language, their family, their culture in any place where they are, 
you know, regardless of that they are on their traditional homelands or not, which is often the case for women that have been, um, you know, whose families in history have been removed due to colonisation. Um, they have no access or connection to their original country where they where they come from. Usually we talk about birthing on country as sort of like a spiritual or cultural um, sense of well-being and we're looking at the woman, we're looking at her whole family, we're looking at how culture is at the centre of everything that she does with her family. We're looking at a lot of um, things that we can already build on, so there's lots of strength-based, the woman's strength-based um, things that she has that, that we can build on. And so for whilst birthing on country is not a new terminology because it's you know, for Aboriginal women, it's been around for a very long time. Um, it's only just now sort of coming to um, the front line to sort of being spoken about a lot more. And um, we're getting a lot of publicity about it. Like we're getting a lot of um, talk, people talking about it and, and midwifery, in particular midwifery. So, we, you know, I'm getting student midwives calling me and asking about, you know, what is this birthing on country? Um, it's about providing a culturally safe framework for our women as well because we're knowing that they're experiencing a lot of racism in the mainstream health service. Um, so, you know, there's a great model that we can build on and different aspects of birthing on country. So you can have birthing on country without having every single complete essential, that, you know, essential thing that we've identified. You can have birthing on country, but I think it's defined as what the women want it to be. So when we've gone to community, we've said, what is birthing on country to you? And how can we incorporate it into your health service? The theme for this year's NADOG is Because of Her We Can. What does this mean to you? And who are some of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women you look up to? I think this theme for this year's NADOG is really, really important because it highlights the support that women have been giving to Aboriginal issues in moving forward for as long as I can remember. And so having that as a theme, it really just, to me, it sort of it makes pretty much this whole year is centralled around the work that I'm doing in birthing on country because because of the women in the communities while we're driving this project. Um, because of her, we can. There are a number of women that come to mind. Um, in particular, would be my mother, um, my sister, and my grandmother. My my grandmother's on both my mum and my dad's um, side, who have conditioned me and grown me up to be the person that I am and they've inspired me to to go and go out and do whatever it is I wanted to do at no point in my life did I ever feel like I was being held back I always thought I could achieve and do anything and I think it was just coming from seeing those strong women from growing up um, and also just in meeting people through once I started just decided to go to university and meeting a lot of strong women um, it, that's why I sort of am where I am today and so it's really to me it is a really special um, and there's a number of women that I'm meeting even now in my career a lot of uh, Aboriginal midwives um, in particular um, a midwife who I met when I first started university who was she's now one of my mentors her name's Michelle Koziak she's a lecturer at the Australian Catholic University and um, she's my go-to person for anything that's either whether it's uh, professional or whether it's personal um, and she really is my um, the person that sort of inspires me on a day-to-day in everything that I do. Um, but there's a number of women, Aboriginal women in particular, that are really strong that um, I work with on a day-to-day basis. And, I mean, I could sit, probably sit here all day and talk about um, who, and who, who, they, who they are and what they do. Um, but I think they all understand who they are, and I feel like, um, you know, this is a great time to be able to celebrate them. 
people have this tendency to talk about um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander achievements as though they are recent things. Um, but with over 65,000 years of rich history, culture and survival, we know this isn't true because women have been giving birth for a very long time, which means that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women have been nurses and midwives for thousands of years. What are some styles and practices you are reclaiming or reviving in your work? Yeah, thanks. That's a really great question and that's a really great thing to um, note is that, you know, women have been, we have been doing this for many years and, you know, we're obviously we're the longest surviving culture on earth, so we have been getting something right. Um, some of the things I've um, seen in through my work is um, just going back to the, the country, the connection to the land and the significance of the land. So women that have been displaced from their country or are birthing outside of their community, you know, I'm seeing women that are taking in like um, they'll take sand or they'll take water from their country because if they're, you know, if they're desert people or if they're living up by the salt water and they want to have that with them, so they're actually taking physical land and plants and things into the hospital with them. Um, they're also taking back song lines and using music and language. So um, back in the, you know, 65,000, 60,000 years ago, when Aboriginal women were birthing just out on the country, they would use song lines and women would sing the baby into the world. And so I'm hearing a few more stories about women incorporating that, especially the language, um, being surrounded by women, so including their fa- like having family supports, women, um, sisters, mothers, large groups of families. We know that hostels don't actually accommodate large groups, um, which is what we're trying to do in, our, in providing birthing on country models is we need to have spaces that are open to have large families because... We know that women are going to do much better when they're surrounded by those women who can support them, who come from their same background. Um, also, husbands and partners having a role. Um, traditionally, men did have a role in the birth. They were, even though they were separated from the female camp, the men were still very much involved using um, singing, dancing, fire, and all that sort of stuff. So what we're seeing now is we're seeing men coming back into that space of birthing um, because they are very like they're very important in that stage when the baby's born and so um, you know it's just it's it's such a stereotype to hear that to hear midwives and doctors say oh you know the, the husband's sitting out in the waiting room because he can't come in but you know maybe he just hasn't been welcomed welcomed into that space um, so we're seeing a lot more inclusion of men um, and traditional practices um, things like the use of bush medicines, like using bush medicines of rugs and um, even just the smells of um, in early labour at home, you know, using those sort of burning those um, traditional plants and um, bush medicines to sort of help them through labour, um, as well as eating native food. So a lot of women going back to eating, you know, traditionally what was native food that is available to them during their pregnancy because um, they see the benefits for them and their baby. Um, and things like baby smoking um, ceremonies are taking place, naming ceremonies when babies move back to community, you know, having a special ceremony to welcome that baby back to country, um, and placental burial, which there's a lot of, um, you know, protocols around placentas and how they and how we coordinate placentas in the hospital. Um, but we should be supporting those women to take their placentas home to bury them on country. Women's on the line. Women on the line. Women on the line. and in terms of your work what are some facilitators and barriers to achieving some of the things you're trying to do through uh, birthing on country I would say probably the biggest facilitator is the community Um, 
I think it's community-led. It's being driven by the Aboriginal um, community that we're working in. They're the biggest supporters of driving the birthday on country. Um, a lot of what we're doing and a lot of our direction we take, well, actually, all of our direction we take from the community, um, in particular, the Aboriginal community-controlled health organisations that we're working with, so the ARCHOs that are on the ground. Um, in particular, we've got the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Community-Controlled Health Service, known as ATSIX Brisbane, um, up in Brisbane there. Um, they're one of our archers and Waminda South Coast Aboriginal Women's um, Health and Welfare Service in Nowra, New South Wales. So we've got two really great, strong organisations that are driving. Um, but through our findings, we're actually finding more and more communities and more and more of those organisations stepping up and going, going, hey, we know what's going on or we've heard birthday on country. How can we be involved? Um, so they're probably the biggest facilitators. And I would say the women, the women um, in the community, the women are actually leading... The women are actually leading the conversations and we're hearing the stories and some of them some of them have been really, really bad negative stories about women's experiences in hospital. Um, and so those women being strong enough and confident enough to speak up, feeling you know, being in a safe space, they're actually speaking out about some of the injustices that they're facing in that in, in that sort of mainstream model. Um, but we're also hearing really positive stories, which is great because we need to know what's working and what's not working because we want to incorporate what is working into the model that we're developing. Um, some of the barriers to the initiative is probably the, the, biggest, the biggest things we're facing is um, around the, the legislation. Um, there's some, there's, we've highlighted some issues in legislation in particular in, establ in, establish, in establishing an Aboriginal birth centre. Um, and so we're working around those issues as well as insurance for midwives to be able to practice in those archers um, if they're employed to work within the Aboriginal birth centre. Um, and the funding, of course, funding is always going to be a problem. But um, you know, to us, money is money, and we're going to do what we're set, what we've set out to do, regardless of whether the money is available. Because you know, where, where there's a will, there's a way. That's the saying. Um, and also, some one of the other barriers is that um, well, probably one of the biggest barriers is that the work around cultural safety. Um, you know, teachers just teaching um, just basic cultural safety to to staff. Regardless of where they're working, but in particular non-Indigenous people who are working with women, just for them to understand what cultural safety is. Like most people don't even understand the difference between cultural awareness and cultural safety. And cultural safety is more about looking at yourself, so it's more about self-reflection, and it's about about providing a safe environment where a woman can go to a space where she feels safe, and it's a shared experience. Um, so one of the biggest things that we're facing is actually um, racism, um, and that's just very sort of. It's very sort of minor comments that we've been hearing, but um, it's very, very small. It's nothing that's being said to us. Um, most people are in support of what we're doing, and it's really great to see. Women's on the line. <laughs> oh, that was... Women on the line. Women on the line. <laughs> <laughs> on community radio around Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. You just heard from Cherise Buzzacott speaking about her work in supporting Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women give birth on country. What are some of the similarities and differences in the experiences of women depending on whether they live in an urban or remote and regional area? Yeah, I think that um, there are definitely more similarities and differences because, you know, we all have, are suffering from the same, you know, I keep speaking about racism, but you know, racism is such a big problem. I think it's embedded in Australian culture because, you know, we're such a sort of um, a jokey sort of, you know, sort of larrikin sort of culture 
that, you know, those jokes can be sort of brushed off as, oh, you know, he's just being funny sort of comment. Um, so I think that's probably the most similar similar experience for everyone. Um, I would say remoteness only because, like, I've been to remote communities and I've seen, and they're definitely remote, but I've also seen communities in, like, in cities where there are people that are, you know, so close to services, but they don't access them. So they're almost, you know, they're almost remote. They're almost isolated themselves within urban settings. Um, which doesn't really make sense because people will say, oh, you know, they have, they get more access, they have access to more things over on the coast, when in fact those people, for whatever reason, aren't accessing those services. So we need to find out why they're not accessing those services. The difference, I think, between remote and rural people to those people living in the cities is that their voices are not, can, are not as strong and sometimes they're not as heard. Therefore, we need to be working together and we need to be using all of our voices together to push for change because... What's going to change what, where we're working at at the moment? Hopefully it's going to filter down to all these other services because they're going to see, you know, such great outcomes from what we're doing. Other governments in other states and territories are going to want to adapt what they're doing because, every, you know, everywhere there's disparities within health amongst Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. It doesn't matter which area of the country you come from. Um, in some area of your life, whether it's in education, whether it's access to health, um, access to employment, um, you know, anything there will be some sort of disparity between non-Indigenous um, people in Australia. What are some of the outcomes that have come out of birthing on country in terms of qualitative de- data and quantitative data? So I'm not, an, I'm not a research person, so, I mean, I couldn't really tell you much about numbers. I, do, I, have, had, I have seen really great statistics and great numbers on improvements for um, the birthing in our community model, which is run up in Brisbane, which is a 24-hour maternity care service. So women are having their same midwife with them on call, and then the women attend the hospital um, with their known midwife or birth, and then they'll have care in the home once they leave the hospital. Um, so it's shorter hospital stays and intervention in hospital because they have their known midwife. So some of the things that I've seen coming out of that of that up in Brisbane is um, preterm labour is dropping. That also women are carrying their babies longer, so they're going to full term gestation rather than before. Maybe they were having babies before 36 weeks. Um, and then the birth weight of babies is so so important because we talk about you know that sort of when women are pregnant through to their newborn baby that that has a lifelong impact. So having babies that are born preterm and they're at a low birth weight that can that can marginally impact uh, a baby to when they're grown and it can impact them all through their life. Um, and smoking in pregnancy is also being reduced. Um, so what I'm hearing from some of the like persons, people's experiences, some of the women's experiences, um, being involved in those sort of continuity of care models that are embedded in cultural framework is that the experience of their maternity experience is that the perceptions of control during their labour and birth is increasing um, so they're feeling more in control and having choice. Um, the cultural safety aspect is also um, more prominent. They're feeling like they're in a culturally safe space. Breastfeeding is also, um, and also just that sort of low birth weight babies or even babies, just their growth. Um, breastfeeding rates of, are, of course, being well supported. Um, and just the experience of racism are less, and also the increasing service use, so women accessing their clinics um, much more frequently. Has birthing and country also worked to revive uh, culture in other areas? Um, I think birthing on country is using is um, actually reviving culture in some areas, um, and I can speak only a little bit about it because I've 
you know, Aboriginal culture across Australia is so diverse. But I know in Nowra they're definitely um, reviving some of the culture, like going back to um, going back to country, um, going back to in particular women's women's spaces. So. Um, you know, they're revisiting places that were once sacred where women used to birth um, back before, you know, back before, I guess, um, the births came here. And so what they're doing now is they're using a lot of language in everything that they do. So a lot of the um, names for a lot of the services are reclaiming the languages um, and they have a, you know, they have a committee that oversees that language is embedded in everything that they do. Um, and it's just revival of those spaces, so taking back the reclaiming those spaces, like those birth spaces, those um, traditional, um, and they're, t- they're taking out some of their non-Indigenous staff as part of their orientation to the um, Aboriginal health services. They're taking them out to those spaces, the female, um, female-only places, and showing them, you know, this is where women used to birth, and these are some of the traditions, and they're sharing in those traditions with the non-Indigenous women so that they can have that understanding of where we're coming from and where we are now. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think there's there's probably lots of different um, examples across Australia, and there's I think it's more about reclaiming the, that space of where they used to birth, and some of those traditional practices as well are coming into coming back in. Like I mentioned before, that you know baby smoking and naming ceremonies are really important because a lot of babies are born off country um, due to you know it could be due to medical reasons or it could be just due to personal preference. Um, and so I think it's all about that's how that birthing country is sort of working to revive the culture, I think. Women's on the line. <laughs> oh, that was women on the line. Women on the line. <laughs> <laughs> What are your uh, experiences in terms of government and mainstream support and funding? Uh, we've had really great experiences. We've been presenting. Um, we've been presenting at, to a number of different um, government organisations, um, meeting with lots of high-profile um, people, and we've just been getting such a great positive feedback. Um, they're very supportive of what we're doing, um, and they are, you know, very much behind us, and they want to support us. And we have not. I don't think we've faced one organisation that has actually questioned anything that we're doing. Um, I think they see it as a really great initiative. Um, and in terms of funding, I mean, we haven't got that far into it just yet. Um, we have received funding. Obviously, the Birthing on Country project that I work on received funding from a global um, initiative, which was Merck for Mothers um, through Merck Sharp and Dome, which is an American-based company. Um, they have a charitable arm, and they're giving... Um, they're giving out grants to improve third world, um, you know, third world countries, health in third world countries. And we established that, you know, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women in Australia actually have third world conditions in terms of their health, in particular the maternity care. So what we've done is, we, you know, we've managed to get that funding. And from that, it's sort of it's spiralling now because we've got so much more interest in people wanting to be involved and government agencies are coming forward and they're hearing about what we're doing because they're all talking to each other and they're talking about, you know, oh, how great is what, you know, Waminda, what Waminda are doing in Nara. Like, there's so much spoken about in New South Wales Health and they're just one of the organisations. You know, imagine if, if all of these organisations were doing the same thing, but that the government would have no choice but to change. Government agencies have been really helpful in pointing us to the right direction um, we've still got a long way to go. We've got a couple of um, meetings that we plan to hopefully meet with, um, in particular, New South Wales Health and Queensland Health. 
um, in moving forward in establishing birth centres for um, Aboriginal women, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women. So, um, yeah, still a lot of work to be done, but so far it's all positive. Mm. And where can our listeners go to connect more with your work um, and to maybe donate or help out in any kind of way? Uh, yeah, so I actually um, facilitate the Australian College of Midwives um, Birthing on Country page. So you can go to um, midwives.org.au. Um, so that's the Australian College of Midwives um, website. And through there, we've got under um, projects, we've got the Birthing on Country page. And I try and update that quite regularly. We also post things up on Facebook. Um, we're quite well connected with a lot of our networks. So Waminda, um, ATSIX, as well as um, IUE, they do the birthing in our community. Um, so you can follow all of those sort of social medias probably where you'll see a lot of the updates for what we're doing in um, Brisbane and Nowra. Um, but also if you wanted to get involved, you know, if you, if you have the time, you wanted to do- donate time or resources or anything, you could just reach out to those organisations that I've mentioned and, you know, you can find them on Facebook, you can find them on their websites and, and in a way that you can be involved. The other thing you can do is you can keep an eye out for things like we just had the National Strategic Approach to Maternity Services and anyone, can, anyone in the public can actually give feedback to those sorts of things. Um, I think June Oscar's doing also um, a project, a Strong Women's Voices campaign at the moment where she's travelling across Australia. So any Aboriginal woman can go online and submit a response. And if you feel like birthing on country is something that you want to support, the more times we get birthing on country mentioned in those sorts of reports and those sort of high-level high reports that are going back to government officials, then the better, the more, um, the more sort of, you know, the more promotion for us um, as well to get that message out. And you can also just, you know, writing letters of support to your local politicians if you feel um, even just supporting, finding out in your Aboriginal um finding out in your community who the Aboriginal people are and reaching out to them um, to find out more about them. Um, and then, you know, and if you're an Aboriginal woman, I think it's more about being vocal about um, what you want to do, where you want to birth, how you want to have your baby. I think if you're feeling strong and confident and empowered to be able to make your own decisions, um, then, you know, you can, in fact, we can make birthing on country happen, but it needs to be a collective voice that's going to drive it. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us on Women on the Line, Cherise. That's okay. Thanks for having me. I'm so grateful that you reached out. You've just heard from Cherise Bazacott, an Arante woman from Alice Springs, a midwife and project officer for Birthing on Country, a project aimed to establish Aboriginal birthing on country models of maternity care. She spoke with us about her work in supporting Aboriginal women give birth on country. And that's all for Women on the Line today. Women on the Line is a community radio national women's current affairs program. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. We greatly appreciate financial support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show. So send us an email to womenontheline at gmail.com or phone 3CR on 03 9419 Women on the Line programs can be downloaded from our website www.3cr.org.au forward slash Women on the Line. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by Le Tigre. I'm Hope Matumbu and I hope you can tune in again next time.